Hi, uh, welcome back to the show. How about you guys introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Jason Rosa, president of Studio Dice Show LLC, and uh, I'm executive producer of the center. I'm John Anderson, chief technology officer, audio engineer, and composer for Studio Dice Show LLC and the center game. Hi, my name is Song Ju. I'm a visual artist at Studio Dice Show. Hi, I'm uh, Wilmer Arayave, and I'm the creative director with the Studio Dice Show and the center. And uh, I'm Paul Bennett. I'm a game developer with Studio Dice Show and the center. And and at, in the last interview, we discussed more of the the gameplay and the design and and elements related to the game itself. And um, now this interview, we're going to focus more on the business aspect and you know how an indie studio can do the marketing and and some of the other things to just actually get traction in the market. Um, and so, I think we left off with the fact that the Kickstarter started a few days ago, and there's some challenges with just getting it funded. And right. what are your thoughts on this? What have you guys done in terms of marketing when you're, you know, as you started the development of this game? Well, let's say Twitter, uh, Facebook, those are our big things. Twitter has been really, really good with, we would retweet, we would actually reach out to other editorials and try to get some time for um, some articles and interviews. And then we would go to development blogs. A lot of times we would stay uh, online looking at development uh, bloggers and in, in that field and that's kind of how we came across yours as well exactly kind of going that avenue yeah and did you start trying to contact um i guess games media early on in the process or or where you were or when you were like closer to finishing of alpha we did at the beginning um but we've been it was more the middle towards the end where we really pushed hard on it but we did at the beginning as well um, IndieDB is, has a huge community for indie games, and that kind of helps us a lot, too. We get a lot of traction on there as well. What about Steam? Is that something you guys looked into? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And do you guys have early access or, or whatever it is related to Steam? No. And what, what were the, why not do that? Is, that? is that something that... What was the decision behind not doing that? Because that's something that I've heard other developers do, and I wasn't sure if that's, uh, would you, if you felt it was critical. I felt it was it was critical, um, but I really wanted to have more than just a concept. So I was focusing more on trying to get the demo finished, our pre-alpha finished, um, that at least explains the core ideas of what we have in store for the game. And I felt that releasing a Steam without that maybe uh, would be a great idea for us. Um, uh, that's why we just stayed on the Steam community concepts uh, versus when we actually ran for Steam Greenline. Are you thinking about changing that approach um, now that you do have an alpha? Uh, yes. It's, a, uh, it's more a pre-alpha, just yeah. kind of testing ground for what we're going for. It's not, I wouldn't say an alpha yet. Yeah, okay. it's still a pre-alpha to us. Until it, until it hits where we feel that you at least can get a, a good idea of how Hexon knew operate in this world and get a few more enemies and a feel for the combat, then that's when we're going to go into that. Um, do, you, do you see a benefit to starting it earlier? I mean, because there's a benefit for just trying to build more people, you know, as part of your community or just seeing your progress every day or even keeping you motivated. Right. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is that even critical or not? Are, are you talking about uh, green getting greenlit? Yeah, getting greenlit and just having... Cause I was just looking yesterday at a game that wasn't necessarily out. Like they had early access, right? Okay. It isn't. It isn't completely done, but.
but it gives them more exposure. It's it allows them to kind of give updates to a community that might be looking for it. I'm not really into the Steam community. You know, it's something I, I keep abreast of just because, you know, of this podcast show. But right. what what are your thoughts on that, on trying to just try to get early access or, or something like that? I mean, it's, it's like I said before, you know, I really, I, I think I was more more towards getting an, an alpha that was pretty much solid. There's a lot of things that we were still testing, and I was afraid that if we were to put something out there that was not... I mean, that's our first impression of the video game, you know? Definitely- well, if it's early access, does that matter, do you feel? I mean, if, if you're seeing... If they're seeing progress every, you know, every few days or a week or two weeks, is that... Is that going to violate their their... I mean, will that still cause an issue with you changing stuff or, or what? Like, what what are your thoughts? We we do have that now on our on our website and as well as yeah. the NDDB. So um, it, it we do get a lot of traffic, as Jason said, on our actual website and through NDDB. Um, and the community is so good on there that they're seeing the progress on both those sites. I mean, I see the benefits of doing on uh, Steam for the uh, Greenland, but we kind of want to wait till we have a better version of what we have to go get greenlit. I feel like that would help our, I feel like it would help it. it I feel like if we put it on now, it'd be detrimental. Okay. In pretty early stages. Yeah, and, and so I think this is another balance between quality and timing. You know, it's like, like I mean, what, what do you feel is more important in terms of success of a game? That's, in, the, in quality or timing, I think that's <laughs> been the same, you know? <laughs> We've been working on this for a year. Um, Equilibrium and to yeah. Well, look, what I've seen is that, like, even let's for example take the marketplace for mobile, right? Right. Like initially it was like okay, two D games work. Yeah. And now you're seeing like this progression of like okay, then it had to be like social, you know, like multiplayer, and then maybe three D, and and so, like, the market can change. Right. And sometimes when you came up with an idea, it was inspired from something that was around you at that time. Exactly. And and now. The, the audience may not even respond to that. No, and, no. You know, and so what, what, and, and I understand quality is important, you know, because they're not going to come back if, even if, even if they're potentially interested, if it's crap, like they're not going to come back and check it out or continue with it or, or refer it to other people. That's why I look at it from a, a you know, producer standpoint, a, a musician standpoint. Uh, we always say that you know a musician or a producer will come in the room and the, he'll tell you if it's a hit in the first thirty seconds. <laughs> you have to you know retain that, and that's why we're really worried on sending something out there um, too premature, uh, where that's their first impression of the project. You know, and yeah. you have to work twice as hard to get a second impression, or to even I mean, you just most yeah. cases you lose those people. Oh, people. Are- People's yeah. span right now are so low that you gotta hit them with the wow factor immediately. You have right. to. If you don't yeah. catch them immediately, you're gonna lose them. I mean, maybe some of the older, old school gamers, you can get that, you know, and build that fan base on. That's kind of what we're doing with our website and IndieDB because you have those hardcore gamers that they like to follow indie games and they like to follow development. Right. But I feel like the Steam community is really all about like now. I mean, there yeah, are. No, I, I see what you're saying because now it's more established. Right. So there's so many more people and. In- and studios vying for their attention so you can't just pump out something like really super simple and be like hey just because you're so different people respond to respond to it yeah and 
so I guess now we're at a different timeline in the in the phase of Steam, whereas before you could push out something really simple, potentially, and just get get some. And the fact that you were you were on green light or you know you had early access, and you were you know iterating or whatever could get you attention, versus now where it's. I see, you know, where they just, if they see something that's just not inspiring and you don't have an audience already, they're just going to ditch it. Right. And it, it's it's becoming, I guess, almost monotonous in a way, too, where you see these things and, and a lot of people just think, okay, greenlit, then this game is, you know, yeah. legit or this game is this. You know, this game's already... <laughs> I think that's and a, just like that, Kickstarter, yeah. right? Like a few years ago, anything could get, not anything, but a lot of things would get funded on Kickstarter. Oh yeah, we were just laughing about uh, some of the th- that um, staff pick thing. Where uh, yeah. we, we looked into it, and we, our <laughs> idea of what a staff pick was not what it actually was. No. And um, I think it was kind of interesting where you you we either get staff pick, and if you do get staff pick, Kickstarter would just come out and say, "Here you go, put this graphic yeah. on your." Um, a lot of people were assuming that they did it for you, and they were waiting. Yeah. And it's not like that. You actually have to put it on yourself and go about it that way. Yeah, yeah. let tell you about that. So, what what are you guys going to do to really stand out then at this point? Given you know the current constraints of the market, like you said, there are all these other games coming out. Yeah, it's the holiday season. Um, what are your thoughts? What what do you think is going to help you stand out? I think the steps that we're taking now, from really having more time to shed light on what we have in store for the game. Um, really working on polishing our pre-alpha demo to a, a place where it really presents very well uh, the idea we have for the center. It shows you the core functionality. It shows you our gameplay. Um, it really showcases everything in a nice package. I think these are the important steps. And just continuing building and engaging our audience on Twitter and Facebook and continuing the, to do some dev vlog on, the actual, um, on our end and on others. Devlog has actually grown us exponentially. Like looking at the st- statistics on the back end, it, ever since the Devlog started, when our assistant producer Joshua Fain took over and really been every meeting, he's been there writing down what's been going on and keeping yeah. up with development progress. Um, he's been doing it two or three times a week, and the traffic's showing that, and we're getting tons of hits on that alone. And I feel like in conjunction with the NDDB, yeah, push, pushing the the boss battle, yeah. having that, the update, finish that. And then with all the promotion and marketing that we're doing now, with all the interviews, I feel like that'll I feel like that will bring us bring us a bigger audience. It'll it'll at least expose the game to a brighter uh, wider range of audience than we would have had before without that. Why do you think the dev blog is working? Because that's something a lot of developers have. Um, personal insight. Um, okay. If you you know I I think it also I mean obviously it's a behind the scenes you know ideas yeah. that you have things that you're testing. It opens a conversation for your your readers or the people that are that may be interested in that sort of thing. Um, it's also another like collaborative tool. Um, people like to talk about these things, put their two cents in, or share some experience. And I think these dev blogs open that up. I feel like they're a part of that from the beginning. Yeah, they, start, they see the shape and the game start to take shape, and they can kind of input on that as well. What about video, YouTube stuff like that? How effective or important do you feel that is? I feel it's very important. I think there, um, I mean, there's tons yeah. of people on on YouTube for these sorts of things and keeping progress up, and that's very important. Showcasing all the yeah. key, the members, you know, all what the art is, what the gameplay is, 
and we put a lot of showcasing of our unknown hacks, the main characters, we showcase them on YouTube, and they're getting tons of hits, and it's getting generated back. And we can see that traffic on our website. So it's definitely a huge tool, and I feel like anyone that is going into any form of multimedia needs to do that. Have you guys looked into Twitch and yeah stuff like that? Are are you going to do anything related to that, um, even sessions or, you know, like dev sessions or even Q&A and stuff like that? Yeah, we were talking um, on our, our last meeting, we were talking about doing some Q&A with uh, you know, having us play through the game and yep. talk about the glitches that are there and how we're, we're problem solving and the things we had in mind and whatnot. So, yeah, those would be, I think those are great. We've already got, we definitely are planning to do that soon. Yeah, we've got a lot of feedback from the people that played the demo. Yeah. And we, we know the bugs are there, and that's what we're kind of getting our newest programmer and Devlin on to work on these uh, these bugs while everyone focuses on the boss battle right now. And that's going to be in conjunction with that. So we're hoping to release a new update for the pre-alpha with, within either before or during the same time as the boss battle. Yeah, in that format. In that format, yeah. yeah. What I mean, what what are other approaches that you feel, or that you're going to potentially take to promote your your game and and to potentially drive up the traction level and engagement and attention? Um, we we want to do some more, uh, I guess, kind of like what we call a grassroots campaign, yeah. where we can just set some places up and actually have people play the game and get their impressions right then and there. In Richmond, we have a, a huge magazine called RVA Magazine. They actually sat down with uh, Jason and myself the other day, and we had a, what was it, three-hour interview Yeah, just going over the game. He was only supposed to stay for 45 minutes, but yeah. we showed him everything with the game development side, the music we had, the concept art. We showed him a, a playthrough of the game, and um, we're hoping that get local exposure because we have a couple companies around here like Dragon's Den Gaming, that want to showcase the game and have a game like a game jam session almost where they just go out there and play the game and see it and on in person and also after the kickstarter we have a couple lined up events uh like megacon and gamescon that we were thinking, thinking about taking the game to uh, so i mean how what do you think about these conferences do you feel that this is a way to get like it's effective because there, there's also like the raising cost or the rising cost of getting a booth there right yeah. I mean, I I really do. I, I think yeah. anytime you uh, a person can get an impression in real yeah. time from you and really ask you these questions, and I mean, there, there's a sense of transparency there. And I think if you break that the wall, it's important, you know, to to here's my Hands product, on. here's what I have in store, and get that impression. Um, so yeah, I think it's very effective. It is uh, one of those things that. The wallet for, yeah. but I think in the end, this is a very important thing if you want to take a, a serious route with it, especially for player feedback as well. You get the real time feedback, yeah, QA, what, yeah, QA, and what people like and what dislike about the game, and that kind of helps to shape the game even more. Yeah, it goes it goes hand yeah. in hand. So you know, it really does help the yeah. development side of things as well. You start to get an impression of what people liked and didn't like about your game, and you can kind of yeah. really get better. You know, what's that old saying? You know, you gotta spend money to make money. Yeah, <laughs> well. I mean, you know, there's also creative ways to potentially do it. Like, for example, um, even using other distribution platforms like mobile, right? right? Like having a mobile version of your game might be a way more effective way f to get gamers to at least check it out more easily than a downloadable. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, Steam, obviously, there's a lot of downloadable games on there, so... I mean, do you feel that downloadable having a downloadable game for Mac or PC 
gets in the way of having people check out your game? Yes, I, I, I do. I can kind of see it. That was something that I brought up with before when we were in 2D. That was one of the benefits is that we could possibly bring it to mobile and we had plans to. Um, but, I, you know, it really depends uh, on on the product itself. I mean, you, you want it to be catered to that device. So um, if the game is not... Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, it, it would be horrible if it's... Yeah. This game would not work on mobile, <laughs> even um, if it could. I don't, I don't think you would really get that feel. Um, from the beginning, we kind of... You know, we say Mac and Windows, but we also plan for um, future. Like we pl- we were thinking um, Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. And we actually from the beginning when Paul came on board, we told him that we wanted the game to be programmed for the gamepad as well because we wanted mind, yeah because yeah, that way when even either you know Mac or PC players can play it and play with the gamepad or mouse and keyboard. But at the same time, we, when we go to console, it would be that much easier because we're already. We had that in mind, thinking of controls. I mean, if your if your game can go to mobile, yeah. I would say look into it for sure. Um, that is, I mean, people spend a lot of time on mobile. Um, yeah. now. It seems to be another huge another news. console in a way. Yeah. So yeah. that market's huge. Yeah. What um, I guess what are other challenges or lessons you've learned related to marketing and and just the business side of things that you're going to act on moving forward? Um, I would definitely say. Uh, the goals that we have, the the deadline goals. There's a lot of things that, uh, I mean, stuff happens. You know, we 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 wanted to go a couple of weeks early, and we weren't able to. And we have to just spend a little bit more time on how we approach these things and have people on standby uh, for if anything comes up. And um, that's one avenue of it. Also, just keep enticing the conversation of the actual game itself, and really pushing on. You know. Twitter and doing yeah. more dev blogs. These things I wish we uh, we did with the dev blogs earlier. Yeah. Um, they're definitely really awesome. Um, th- they've been helping us a great deal. We have about four other interviews lined up with, uh, yeah. with bloggers, and that seems to be going really well on top of our and, magazine. And yeah, things. exactly. And outsourcing yeah. to different countries as well, because you know people always try to. I don't know some indie game developers. They always want to niche to one specific place, right. and I feel like opening that niche to worldwide i feel like that's huge and i feel like the potential for that is even bigger right um so i feel like that's something definitely learned about too and it's kind of helping us now because some of the interviews that we have lined up for different countries like ones in ones in china uh we have a dutch website that wants to do an interview with us so i feel like this is going to help us a lot as well yeah but that's definitely something that i would i would entice is definitely try to keep some sort of community built up like you know have your website traffic and really try to push it and try to get people interested in your progress, um, and just stay motivated. Even if you're treating your website as a blog uh, for for certain things in the gaming community, um, and they kind of make it relevant to what you're doing. Um, these are things that I, I think everyone should do early, and we're definitely going to do from here on out. Yeah. What are, I mean, do you have any approach to like say having weekly updates to the code base or something else like that, where you know the people who are doing the pre-alpha or checking it out can continuously just see progress, or or how are you communicating that progress in addition to the blogs? Because maybe even an update to the game. Do you do you feel that the blog is an effective way to communicate progress, or do you feel that having updates in the game itself continuously uh, to our players, right? Not, yeah. Sorry, okay. Yeah, to our yeah. it's the blog. Um, in our team, it's obviously our meetings and whatnot. Yeah. But yes, yeah, our, our our players are blog and. And you know other, yeah. Any deep, like I, I keep mentioning into DB because yeah. it's really big yeah. 
community for us, and we got on there early. And so there's a lot of people that, you know, a lot of players that are coming from IndieDB. So um, every time we do a dev blog update, especially for coding or programming or even just art, we try to put it on there as yeah, well. Yeah, we go there. Yeah, because it really helps us build that fan base from there as well. What are what are other things in store then? Because the other thing is that it seems like the final product, like when, when are you going to start potentially like selling this? Like, are you going to say at beta version, okay, we're going to charge this much or, or what, what, what's the plan for that? We have, we have a, a tentative launch at uh, quarter one, 2017. Um, but if we get done early, obviously we'd be releasing a little earlier, but um, yeah, the beta is yeah. pretty much where we were going to start looking at that type of format. Um, we wanted the demo to be free yeah. uh, to really show you that, you know, what we would be charging you for if we ever get to that point would just be the expansion of that. Um, you know, the more upgrades and the more enemies, the bigger, the larger map, um, larger boss battles and, you know, more areas in level. Showcasing more like the dungeon crawling aspects with the temples and the old ruins. And the good thing about our demo is it's a, it's a prequel to the game. Yeah, so it so. actually shows you how Anu and Hex end up in the main game and how their symbiosis relationship it kind of is a, the core foundation of how they are so it's kind of like a dual package in a way because you get the demo and it's not just like the first level of the main game it's actually a prequel and it also goes with the same storyline and showcases all the features that we want to showcase in the main game and it would be free yeah so, it's free so so we're trying to push on that and then if we you know get through the pre-alpha phase treating the demo as you know it's not only a prequel but like john said but it's also a pre-alpha going to alpha and then our beta would be just hashing out the first level of the main game. And then we would go to a format of selling it. How do you keep the audience engaged until 2017? I mean, there's so many other things that'll come up, you know, and and do you feel that the approach of literally trying to have like a beta version or something else where you can just sell it right away just to see how the sales are going and and build on that would actually help or would it just get in the way you want it to be completely polished before you release it i mean i, I think as i said the 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 core of our game is our story um it really okay. is the art and what we have in store for the uh the music and sound format of how it plays in the boss battles and I, yes, the world's always changing, but I think we need to focus more on getting this polished and getting it to where we feel we're not striving for the perfect game. I, I think that yeah. could ever happen for anybody, but we're just striving for a really good idea of what we want. And I think we'll we'll be okay. I mean, that's my personal um, intuition. I mean, there's tons of artists that have been working on albums for years, and yeah. you think about how dated it would be. And they don't approach it in that type of uh, that format. Yeah. I mean. That's your product. If you're just trying to make it, that's <laughs> exactly. one thing, you know, but we really want to deliver something that we could be known for and help transition this company into hopefully multimedia and then go into making our own original games, and our own original format. So um, we're just going to focus on really building upon our foundation and making it as, as nice as we can. And getting player feedback and getting as many people as possible to play the game. Um, yeah. The, uh, any of the social medias and also um, going to these events as well, these conferences, um, and getting their feedback will kind of help shape the game as well. So it's not only like we're just making the game specifically for us, you know, we're making it with knowing that player feedback is going to be a vital role in development. Yeah. What have been, say, the top two to three things that players have given you in terms of feedback that have been, that have dramatically changed the game or 
greatly improve the game. I'm, def- I'm definitely going to give that to you, Will, because of that. Uh, you had a couple of those guests come over. Yep. And that really helped us in the development. Well, I mean, I have a, had a couple of friends who are diehard gamers who, who know their stuff, play the game, and uh, uh, they gave their feedback, and it, eventually that led to uh, buttoning up the some of the gameplay core mechanics that had some some bugs and uh, a lot of the some of the environment needed some work. Uh, to be honest, it wasn't a lot that needed work that was addressed from feedback. Uh, it, as, as far as the art, the, yeah, I mean, it, we were actually in pretty good shape by the time that people started playing it. it they, they were pretty impressed with what we had so far and what we were able to accomplish in five months. It wasn't as much as I, I expected, actually. And I feel like one of the biggest things was the bugs. That's the mo- that's the biggest thing that happened. Like, yeah. uh, And I feel like that came with the persistent levels and not being streaming levels. But mm-hmm. now we've taken care of that and we've addressed those issues and the bugs have been worked out. Um, one of the main things was that Hex, he he wasn't being triggered right or something when it was a tutorial yep. tutorial being loaded. But now that's been addressed and fixed, and that's going to be in our next update. So um, I feel like all the bugs that were addressed were fixed. So, and that's one of the I think that's one of the biggest things that we got was feedback was just the bugs more so than it was anything else. Yeah, they said it was enjoyable, yeah. but bugs knocked it out. You know. Yeah. Have you contacted any YouTube personalities, I guess, to cover it or, or to do Let's Play type stuff related to it? We have. Uh, there's a few that are in works right now. I don't want to mention names without sure, sure. being no, no fully released yet. But oh, we do. But yeah. we have a couple that are lined up. What about Vine and some of these other new platforms? <laughs> like, have you started looking for other new platforms that potentially bring in more people for your audience base or your audience group or? Yeah, it's kind of harder for something like Vine because I think we all think about the the quick impression videos. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, they, you know, that, that is a good. We, we talked about Instagram a lot. Um, yeah. Even it was for pictures, and everyone seems to love that sort of thing. But um, sticking with Twitter. Right now. Yeah, we're pretty much sticking with Twitter and uh, Facebook. That that's, that's, those have been good to us so far. How Not do you- a- going out there if you have yeah. a couple that you want to bring up <laughs> well i was just going to mention twitch i mean that's really all i know i mean that i've seen and obviously that's established now so yeah i don't know of any other new ones but i was going to mention instagram but um you know I, I don't know i mean i guess that the challenge like you said it sounded like you got in early on NDDB, and that's what helped build a community there definitely did. right versus if you would have come in now it's it's more established, right? It just becomes harder, and so you got rewarded for the risk you took to an extent. Right. And, and I think, I think that's part of it is finding those new communities that form. That, that can kind of you know you obviously have to have a good product, but it can help catapult that just like Twitch did with some games too. Um, and YouTube earlier than that, right? So, yeah. that's the way I think about it. I just don't know. What, what that next thing is going to be, right? Like, and, and even YouTube, right? Now it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's now it's more established. So it's like, okay, well, how are you going to stand out? How are you going to even get the Let's Play people to check it out because everyone's trying to ping them, yeah. you know? And there, and there are different ways to do that. There's different ways to cover it. And the, the one benefit is that as the, as the ecosystem grows, that more of those people do need things to cover. So if you've got something worth covering, then boom, you know, that's, that's cool. 
Um, how do you balance working on this game with new ideas that you get as as your as time progresses? Oh, it's we write them down. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean. My uh, my phone's filled with uh, personal voice messages and memos, and um, I write them down and have them on my computer and my external. So yeah. loads of stories just yeah. lined up uh, through PDF, Word documents, Google Drive I documents. Mean, this game right here is about a 40 page story for just act one and yeah. I already have act two and three fleshed out I had that early so we've been working on this game for a while and the story um, like you said you had a, like hundreds of pages of just yeah. story from the beginning to the end and character studies yeah. and whatnot. so yeah for whenever a new idea comes up I usually just write it down and just try to make a good note I try to spend a day and flesh out as much as I can about it before I abandon it and then bring it up at the meeting of course like uh, Jason was mentioned earlier we have Tuesday and Friday meetings so we, we encourage everyone that has creative ideas or, uh, or just concepts or even just anything for the game or any other story ideas to bring them up during the meetings um, when we have a free moment. Let's discuss the story, like just developing the story and the world around it. What, what are the techniques that you use to, to, to get that detail that you just kind of referred to, how you had so many pages? Um, I think it's very important to have a strong human story. Um, you have to be able to relate uh, the relatability. So I really focus more on, you know, is this something that you feel that everybody has went through at some time? And then kind of put yourself out there, you know, kind of talk about what I've went through and what I've experienced and then help mold, uh, I guess, the idea that I have. So I, definitely having a strong human element is very important to any story. Um, it's good to have the general idea if you for you know when I first did this you know I really thought about this you know journeying to the center and you know it would be interesting as I was reading something about um, uh, a heat death and that kind of was very interesting where you have all these people talking about how the universe would end and how it would be destroyed and I was thinking about you know journeying to the center of the earth and I was focusing on yeah you know if this it's center the center of the universe, you know, what could that be? And that's sort of where it went as my broad spectrum that I used the human element to really define that, where I was like, well, what if the journey wasn't centrally, you know, you making this physical journey, but more so what you were going through and, you know, the core foundation of yourself. Um, it's crazy because it's a very, I feel like it's a very organic beast, just like the game development is, or any yeah. medium is. Um, yeah. Jason came to us with the story, I, I, you know, I immediately resonated with the fact that I knew was sent on one purpose. You know, I knew and Hex were going to do this one mission, um, and then it kind of reflected on me of how they changed throughout the story, without giving too much away, on how they changed throughout the story and how it goes on, and how you you get this mortality and get this human, you know, these human empathy, and you know, you kind of resonate with it. And I feel like that kind of made me realize who I was as a person, where I come from, and who I want to be as a person. How do you guys balance keeping your team continuously motivated until you get to, you know, to, to the final release? Because that, that's still a long time away. I know you're making progress, right. and that's great. Um, but, you know, things can come up. Life right. happens. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what's, you know, how do you handle that? I mean, it's, everyone's pretty much on here um, for some sort of like, freelance and really just helping to the project. And 
it, it, it kind of is a thing on the individual basis. I mean, some people are, I, I expect that. I mean, that happened yeah. the first time. You know, <laughs> some people stayed, some people didn't. And um, I look at it as more as, you know, people are just contributing. As long as the engine is still going, you know, we really yeah. are focusing on the work. Um, there's always work. We're, yeah. s we're pretty far away from the beta um, and just staying on that course. And I think that builds the morale that we're constantly getting these type of, you know, we're getting results. We're not just on Skype and talking, you know, yeah. every, everyone's yeah. actually developing and actually doing things. And um, I stay on the concept art and uh, there's just always plenty to do. And those little things help the morale uh, when you're actually seeing shape of some of these characters we have in store. And um, for instance, uh, whenever we would show a new boss or enemy, uh, it really builds morale to be like, oh man, I really want to see that in game. Yeah. And then the riggers and animators start jumping on it. So, and then once you see it in the game, you start playing and you start yeah. testing the functionality of it. Yeah. Um, I don't want to speak for everyone like Will or Paul, but every, you know, when I see it and I, I can play it, and I'm like, oh, wow, you know, seeing it from concept phase or even story phase and all the way through the stages, it just, it, yeah. to me, it's like a wow factor. You know, even yeah. not from being just in, in it, involved in it, just from an outside perspective, seeing like, wow, these characters went from just concept story to concept character, the model into in-game, and now you're yeah. playing it. I wish I could I could share that with um with you and anyone who's who's listening on that sense. Uh, it was really crazy when we had the two D art. Um, oh, Ariana Edwards she designed uh, the the monsters for the demo, and when Will took over and he started fleshing it out and making them three D models, it's just like everything spiked. Yeah. Um, it was amazing to see. Uh, that was a great experience. Yeah, it was. When you say <clears throat> spiked, do you mean spiked within the team or just spiked outside, like uh, with the players or with potential the, players? The team. The, yeah. I'll talk about the team morale. Okay. It's a very organic beast. I mean, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, we're not we're not going into it like, hey, this has got to be the creature. It's got to be this way. You know, it's going into it more like, here, here's some of our ideas for this creature. What do you do? What yeah. Do you, yeah, what do you think? And then, you know, not speaking for anyone else, but they'll come in and be like, okay, I think it needs to move like this. I think the leg needs to do this, or the body needs to do this. And then we're like, okay, well, gameplay mechanics, we can change it up to do this. And it kind of coincides with the story as a backbone. Yeah. I feel one challenge is that, you know, how do you keep, you know, it, look, motivation is, is, is a part of development, especially when you're doing it kind of pro bono um, and you're hoping that it works, you know, and I feel like, you know, there's so many things that can get in the way. And then, you know, you have to balance progress like like my 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 perspective was that when you have something you have to move as fast as possible to get it out there and yeah. and it seems like your approach is to kind of like you've got established timelines and milestones and and they're far away some of them and some of them you know and you're reaching them and yeah what what if i mean do you feel that that has helped you with the community or it's hurt you because you know, you've seen other projects. When they yeah. announce long timelines, does that does that help? Does that inspire you? Does that keep you still engaged with them? What are your thoughts on that? I, from the projects that I've seen that have really long development times, two, three years, four years working on projects, I haven't actually seen them hurt in any way. Yeah. Um, it, it helps them find their demographic. You know, it helps them find the people that are very interested and care and value what they're doing. And that's pretty much what we're doing too. I think it's you know given that it's like the half Japanese. I mean yeah. you know it's Studio Daisho, 
that's reflective of that Japanese of patience to perfection. You know, so really just focus on you know being patient, and take things, and really try to get that art um, as tight as you can. And I think the right people would appreciate that and want to be involved in that. And when the time comes, everything will drop. Um, so I, I think you know it's. I definitely, I definitely see from your standpoint though. I, I used to do that all the time with music uh, in general, or whenever I had a song or when I was my band aids. It was very important to get it recorded and mm -hmm. out there before someone else did it. Yeah. <laughs> but then the more and more I did that, uh, it, I realized my best songs would, would come from melodies that I had for years and years, and I would get the best result. Yeah. So and, I mean, and it's it is a little trade off on quality too. Sometimes you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard, man, because it really. Yeah. Uh, what is, I mean, it's, it's like that magic sauce, which is like a balance between yeah <laughs> quality and also like look look the faster you move like honestly you know people want to get like you said people want to get entertained now yeah. and if you had an update every day about something new and it's like wow this is like literally watching a movie every day because it's moving so fast that gets more people involved right like I was I was looking at the um the initial post from notch on the um on like tig source mm -hmm. about minecraft right and you could see how fast he was updating stuff oh yeah and even though it wasn't necessarily perf perfected it's just that iteration got people engaged and that little engagement kind of lit a fire and that fire kind of spread and you know and and you know that's i think that's the challenge that indie developers have to figure out is I think it's quantity of work to get to quality. I mean, that's the perspective I have right now, which is literally you have to move fast. But I understand yeah. if you don't have the mechanics down right, if you don't have the right mechanics, you're moving fast on the wrong thing or the wrong approach, you're yeah. not going to get engagement anyway. So, and I, I don't know if you have anything to add to that or if you have a different approach or, or a perspective that can help huh? listeners, you know, come up with something that actually works because look now there's more it seems like there's more and more indie developers who are getting into it you know <laughs> it's like yeah, i mean it's it, i keep using my my uh my musician background but it, yeah. it's always like that i mean we for instance like we talked about um when we went on tour yeah and uh, me being a drummer we would always have these drummers and we'd be around and everybody be showing off but the best drummer was always a drummer that had that he would approach his beat simple but you could really tell that he loved what he was doing, and you could get a sense for what he, for what type of music he enjoyed, and what he was about. And that was always more effective than just shredding and going crazy. <laughs> on things. I mean, everyone yeah. loves those things. Those things are flashy, and it's great. Instant gratification. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. games but are look, on that instant gratification thing nowadays. Yeah, but. they are. And look, that's huge. And you know, speaking of music, that's the way I see it. Is that forty years ago it was music bands right like and now it's game studios and i i mean yeah but but finish <laughs> finish oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much just yeah I, I, it's really it really depends on your your product i mean yeah like, like quality does matter right, right. i mean like, like like yeah yeah go ahead <laughs> like uh lyle zoo said journey of a thousand miles begins with one step yeah you just really gotta you gotta take it as it goes i mean it's it's a hard question to answer because it, it, it makes sense on both sides of the coin. But you really mm -hmm. got to think about your project. Um, what it is, what is it that you're trying to uh, obtain, or your, what's your goals in your project? I mean, for instance, I I love the steps that we took. I loved how before we wanted this to be 3D, 
and then we shifted to 2D, and then finally we went back to 3D. That was great because we learned a lot about the game process and a lot about the programming side of things. And um, we really got to see, okay, this is how we have to change things in our concepts. This is how we have to, these are the type of people that we have to have conversations with and really open doors. Um, and it brought us back to the same, it's funny because, you know, because of people's limitations, why we shifted the game to 2D originally. Yeah. So now that the game's back to 3D, it's kind of like we're back to where we would should have been from the beginning. Yeah, but I think that was a necessary step for us yeah. to really understand. And, you know, it was about this story. You know, that was what was really resonating, as I said before. Everyone really um, liked the story. They really could relate to it, and they, they saw the potential in it. And that's where we had to to take the game was, you know, okay, 2D, we would be able to tell the story, um, but there would be some limitations um, when it comes to, for instance, dialogue was one of the biggest limitations. Mm. So, uh, you know, how these guys are aliens. We, you know, our creative director at the time, he didn't like the idea of them, you know, having text and with English and, you know, hey, I'm, you know, hurt or something like that. He really wanted to find a new type of language and, and have the player cued into it. And these kind of things are necessary for our game and uh, we, we spent time on them to get them there. Um, our visual artist Sung, he created uh, emoticons which are pretty much used like real emoticons where a smiley face depending on a, whatever context you see it in um, can mean a multitude of things and so we created our own language within our game uh, to really help Anu and Hex and also the player to be in on what's going on and that took time. That wasn't something I don't think we ever would have got yeah. If we just were just constantly jumping to the next thing, um, and I, I, it's really on your project. You gotta look at your project and see what's what's great about it. And you know, if gameplay is what your game's about, um, then you probably could go faster yeah. um, and you know minimize the story and just focus more on the gameplay. Have the gameplay. Yeah, yeah we want to be very intuitive and want the players to be adaptable and to kind of grow with on new. And like Jason said earlier, to journey with them at the same time. So yeah. we wanted the player to be ever learning in the game and not not break that immersion by you know doing text dialogues or anything like that. We wanted to cue the player subconsciously with player awareness and player feedback. As we wrap up the interview, I was going to ask what your opinion is on resource constraints of indie developers and perfectionism. You know, so for example, in the case of your game, you had a 2D yeah. approach because you thought that it would potentially make it easier to finish the game, if I, if I understand correctly. And maybe because of limited resources or something else like that. Uh, well, it was more so on the people that we had on the team and yeah, their exactly. restrictions more so than it was finishing the game. Well, that's, so that's part of it, right? Like whether yeah. you're an indie developer that doesn't necessarily know how to do 3D programming or you don't have the art background to, to do whatever you want to do. So how do you balance? Because you said initially it was meant to be 3D. Right. You went to 2D because of, you know, it was convenient. It wasn't necessarily compelling for you, but it was convenient. Um, and yet it, it helped you move forward because you can't say like, okay, well, we don't have these skills. And, you know, like, like basically at least it inspired you to keep going. Because mm -hmm. right. at least you got a chunkable idea that you could move towards. So how do you balance the fact that, you know, small developers have resource constraints, talent constraints, time constraints, and yet 
to get people really engaged and involved and amazed, amazed, like you said, things spiked when you got the 3D going. How, how do you balance that? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, it goes back to we were what we were learning from that process too, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just kind of like, all right, from, it, it wasn't more of a convenient thing, more so it was uh, our lack of knowledge in that field, you know, given that we we're from, the music standpoint of things. Um, so when we got to, to meet these programmers, we were actually getting personal opinions from programmers that yeah. we were thinking were set in law. Their limitations. Uh, of this is yeah. what to do. You know, it's not like your game can't do this. And um, going back to our, our, our part one of this conversation, that, that's what came up was um, one of um, our earlier programmers, he was, he was explaining how instant gratification is the way to go. Um, Yet he would praise the story and say the story is great, but I think you need to focus more on um, minimizing the graphics. You don't need all these crazy graphics to help your story and um, to really push it. And that's kind of what really pushed us into 2D. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it was more so our knowledge on, on, on that. When we started going into the other into 3D, it really changed. I mean, it, yeah. it, it became apparent that we needed this for this game. Yeah. Um, really that, breathed a new life into the story. Yeah. So what could you have done to figure out where you could compromise and where you have to be firm more quickly? Because based on what we're discussing right now, you you should not have ever even went to 2D. I know you learned something from it. Right. But what could, could you have done? done? More research. Uh, okay. More understanding of, of what it is that we wanted to do gameplay-wise and what was the best format. Um, the gameplay was pretty much something that was... Yeah, and this is where prototypes could have helped, potentially, exactly. right? Where you had a pseudo-simple prototype, at least with that. It wouldn't have been perfect. Right. But maybe, would that would the prototypes have actually told you that 3D was the way to go, or would you have still needed to go through the 2D experience? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, we did get a, a 2D yeah, we had product a 2D. at the end, and yeah. that that's what told us, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We had a demo, but yeah. it was not anything. So you could have used something like Game Maker or even really simple prototypes in Unity 3D. Oh yeah. For both the 2D and 3D, and you're saying that within a day you could have you would have been able to tell. Are you are you sure you feel that that would have uh, been enough? <laughs> no. What, uh, what well, we're saying is that we had a 2D version of right. the demo, but it wasn't anything near what we were looking for, especially story wise. It didn't well, convey any of the things that we were looking for. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is that. How could you have avoided spending the time on that two D thing? I don't know how many how many how many days months time that you spent on the two D version, but what could you have done, like as in terms of best practices or techniques that would have actually told you more quickly? You know what, three D is the way to go. Probably what you were uh, you were saying right there. I mean, that okay. was something that we were pushing towards a product. Um, we really wanted to see this and see these things i mean for especially for the sound and music that we had uh, had in mind and i think right when we got to that point that's when we were like okay definitely but honestly that's that's a tough question because i i feel that that's an inevitable step um you you have to fail to gauge how close your progress is to succeeding yeah uh, at least to me and that's that's why i go back to that patience to you know perfection but i mean that's the only thing that i could well, think of it talks about also how do you balance the game that you want to play? Because this is a game that you guys, yeah, to an extent, like want want to make, right? You yeah. have that desire, and that desire comes from something 
intrinsic for the most part because you're doing it at this point on a voluntary basis to an extent. And how, how do you balance what you want to play with what you think is going to get your game out there or what you feel that the audience needs? Is, is that something that you've even considered as a trade-off at this point? Or are you just going to now pursue the game that you want to make? Pretty much that. I mean, I think it's that's where our eye is and that's kind of where our focus is. I mean, this is we see the game that we all have this vision of what the center is and it's just finding a, a, a language where we all can finally collaborate and say, okay, this is our game. So I think the steps that we're taking are the best steps. Um, very organic, again, and um, getting the player feedback, awareness from the, our, our people that are just playing the demo, even that aren't just fans of the game, right. that just have played the demo and gave us feedback. That really helps us too because then it gives us the feedback that we need to change the game in a way or incorporate some features that maybe we didn't see in our original vision, which is kind of good. You know, it's awesome because it makes us think outside the box in those kind of terms or limiting the game to a specific genre or niche or a certain feature that we have to put in. Or Has any of the feedback contradicted or conflicted with the original vision or has it all been additive? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, okay. I think when, for instance, when Paul came in, he, he definitely got us on the right track um, as lead programmer on things that made more sense in Unreal um, and how Unreal works as an engine and um, the things that weren't necessary for us. Um, we really wanted some crazy things with the AI and we could still obtain that, I guess, in a mm -hmm. different way from how we approached it and how we envisioned it. So, um, yeah. And then also kind of played on one of some of the features that we really wanted to put in, like the music sync, right. and then also the real-time player feedback awareness to that. Um, because, like I said, the music events aren't scripted; these are you know real-time feedback from the player uh, yeah. from their input. So that, and like Jason was saying, when Paul came up board, it kind of helped us realize these visions, and he also helped us understand what the capabilities of that was were, and then also how to get around the limitations. And then to go additive, when Will came on board, yeah. he really gave our characters a uh, facelift and he helped the gameplay with their design, you know, where yeah. that, that opened new doors where, okay, Anu is much leaner this time and um, he actually has a function where he can collapse into a ball. So that really played into, um, hey, well, maybe he can have these type of actions and these type of um, engagements in the game. Um, so yeah. that was very additive. I really wanted to give some extra depth, uh, some more, an, an extra dimension to the characters, not just, you know, I, I, I dislike one-dimensional characters, characters that uh, this guy is your, your, your shooter, this guy is your, your tank. It, 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 it's, it gets boring after a while, so I wanted to give him a little something extra. Yeah. And do you feel that when you decided to go from 3D to 2D initially, it did feel like a compromise to you? I mean, like, I'm, I'm trying to communicate to the audience when you felt, like, could, could your gut or could your intuition have told you right then and there that, you know what, this is not the right path? You know what, yeah, that, that goes back to your other question. Yeah, yeah. that was definitely, Lou Fraga um, brought up our 3D illustrator and uh, environment artist. Uh, when he was in the room and we were talking about, you know, we wanted to do this game in 3D and CryEngine. And then uh, we were the more more programmers were meeting, and they said, "Okay, it's going to be two D." Yeah, I mean, our, all of our yeah. gut feelings were: there's no way we can tell the story or do this game justice in two D. Especially okay. some and, of the gameplay aspects that we wanted to put in there, we didn't. Yeah, it was just. I feel like it'd be 
watered down versions of what we wanted. Yeah. And it was. Yeah, so and it really was. And then that we we should have listened to our intake. I mean, no one knows the project best than, than the people yeah. who founded it, right? So but the thing is, though, the instinct can ca- cause time, like, time, like more time required, right? And and yet yeah. that's where you had to go, you yeah. know. And and dude, this I think this really hits on something where is is the people in charge. You have to know the constraints of all the all the domains that you're in, whether it's audio, video, um, art, and and even programming. Yeah. And like because it sounds like you were listening to programmers who weren't necessarily the best. Right. And they're telling you stuff that kind of veered you off course. If I'm understanding correctly, I don't oh, know. That's exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that it's it's crazy how that happens. You know, I mean, we've never had that happen to us before. But I think we were so worried because you know we're a music composition company. Yeah. This is totally new terrain for us. So whenever we found someone that was super interested and they you know they're on the project, it, it really shifted. We all shifted gears. We're like, okay, well, this guy, you know, he, he has really good credentials. He's worked for great. <laughs> before it must be he must be right he right. must know what he's talking about yeah. and we would get the next guy who would nullify everything he said yeah. and just kept going it was like a, a you know and we should have just been like you know what and that's what we did yeah. right after yeah. the first team we were just like here's the game it's 3d this is what we have in mind yeah. here's what we want to do can you not do it can you do it you know, what can you do what can yeah. you not do and, and, then, and so, maybe yeah go ahead oh, oh no just what you can do, what you can do. We want to get that out of the way from the beginning, so that way we know each individual team member's uh, strengths, strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And that way, we also want to find out what they were willing to do in the sense yeah. of going outside their own and find the ways to have these gameplay mechanics implemented. Yeah. And maybe just even learning Unity and Unreal on, on your end, too. Yeah, exactly. Would, would have helped just yeah. at least determine right away. Okay, wait. What you're telling me is completely not in line with what I just did. Uh, um, I, I think that would have helped you guys a big time earlier on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that that was something when we jumped in on Re- on Unity. It was just crazy because we that's what John was bringing up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had like a week in Unity. He's like, we can't do this game in Unity, man. There's no way. Um, there's just. The, like I said, yeah, we could have, but it would have been watered down a lot. Yeah, it would have been mean, watered down a lot. Really? I mean, that's... Because it seems like Unity and Unreal, at least in terms of the gameplay, could be similar. I don't I don't know about it, the the other stuff, for, like the polish and, and the art, but... Very unique. For, from my perspective, it, it's certainly possible. Maybe a little harder for some of the things they wanted to do, but... Yeah. It, it would have been possible. Okay. And, okay, so, you know, given... Kind of like what we've talked about, some of these balance issues, trade-offs, um, challenges for smaller studios and resource constraints. What would you say are the top three things that you know you wish you would have done initially or, or that you're going to do now moving forward to just make your execution and development of this project way more effective and, and successful? I'll definitely say focus more on fleshing out our, our core mechanics or our gameplay, really just focusing on that. I mean, we we did that now with Paul, but... So, so basically done. prototypes of the gameplay. Yeah. Perfect. Playable prototypes, not just written stuff, right? Exactly. That, okay. Um, and really doing, I guess, more work uh, when it comes to understanding the limitations of these engines and what we wanted from our game, and if this engine could accomplish that or not. That's um, kind of what we've done with Paul. And our other two programmers, we sat down with them and just really tried every meeting. I always bring up 
what the limitations are to what specific thing that we're working on, like whether it be gameplay, core functionality, um, player AI, um, and that's and that's something that we've been implementing over the past couple months. And I mean, the last one definitely yeah. when we talked about with keeping uh, the development blogs up and mm -hmm. keeping on our social medias and whatnot. Okay. And any other last things that you want to say or share with uh, game developers who are listening? I mean, it's 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 rough. I mean, everything that you do uh, on your own, I mean, you're creating something, and whenever you create something from your own hands, you're always going to have people that just love to throw stones and throw stones. And <laughs> you just got to be willing to know, you got to know that it's going to come at any time. Um, well, but I hope I'm not doing that, <laughs> but can you talk about that? Like, what? Oh, I didn't feel that way. Um, but... It's hey, you know, it's your it's your idea and yeah. project, and really have that love and drive to do it. Uh, then pursue it, man. Be tenacious yeah. and really stay on it. Uh, strive for for the best. Um, you know, it's it's hard to do that. It yeah. really is. And you make something that's you know, in, in people's minds, they can't get the vision of what you have for the vision, and so you have to kind of give it to them as a whole versus giving to them in a small chunk. I I believe that. You have people that, you know, when something new comes out, you have some people that just go with it, and then some people that just literally are <laughs> and can't understand it or can't yeah. grasp it because they're not seeing it from your point of view. Or nor do they even have the, the drive to even want to know it from your point of view or ask those type of questions. They just immediately throw the stone, you know, yeah. before they understand why you're doing it or what the bigger goal is. And so you've been, you have been getting pushback on some, some occasions from social media and other things related to your game then i take it honestly not not that much uh okay, that's good <laughs> whatever it is it's just been you know do you know about these glitches or do you know that this needs to be fixed um to my surprise i thought we were gonna get a lot of that um but no yeah not really okay where can the audience find out once again more information about the game potentially check out the kickstarter um and potentially keep up on the progress our central hub is thecentergame.com, uh, which has our development blog, our teaser trailer. Any update that's going to happen is going to be on that development blog. It also, uh, it showcases our demo for Mac and PC on there, and our Kickstarter link is on there as well. Um, our social media accounts are linked as, there too as well. So uh, Twitter slash the center game or Facebook slash the center game. Great. Um, once again, we're talking with some of the members from the center game. Um, thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah, for thank you very much. Take thank care. you so much.